Hello, I'm John Gonzalez coming to you from True FM's world headquarters in beautiful downtown Columbus, Ohio. Where it's a balmy two degrees outside. Hi, I'm Jack Derora, and we are here to talk about arbitration and insurance, two different legal issues that confront everybody. And John and I are lawyers with the Behal Law Group. You can find us on the web at Behal Law, which is B-E-H-A-L law.com. Jack, why don't we start talking about arbitration? You know, I'd love to, but before we do that, we have to say that thing that lawyers always say when they go on the air. Now you're talking about our disclaimer. Our okay. disclaimer. Everybody's got one. We provide this bod- broadcast. <clears throat> start over. We provide this podcast as a service to the community. While we try to provide quality information, we're not giving legal advice you can rely upon for your specific situation. Why is that, you ask? Because legal advice has to be tailored to the circumstances of each case. Nothing we say in a podcast can substitute for the advice you should seek from an attorney in a private meeting if you have a legal problem. Couldn't agree more. So let's talk about arbitration today because that's been in the news to some degree. When I think of arbitration as a trial lawyer, I think of people giving up their right to a jury trial. Is that essentially what they're doing? I think you have made the correct deduction because under both the United States Constitution and the Ohio Constitution, we have an absolute right to a jury trial. So how is it that people can waive that right and the courts would uphold that waiver? You know, it's strictly a matter of contract law. Courts have for years decided that if you waive that right and agree to arbitration in a contract, that contract is binding. So, Jack, I know that you deal with a lot of uh, businessmen, and so you draft a lot of contracts. What do you tell a a businessman about arbitration and an arbitration clause to make it um, – so they can make an informed decision whether they want that in their contract? Well, I think you have to recognize that arbitration is good in circumstances, not so good in in other circumstances. You'll see it a lot in contracts between construction companies. You'll see it certainly in certain other types of business-to-business contracts because arbitration offers you the ability to get to a decision-maker and a decision faster than you would in court. And because you're spending less time fighting over the issues, you're saving on attorney time and thus expenses. But what you've been reading about, at least I would suspect people are reading about, is arbitration in consumer contracts where people are bound to an arbitration agreement they didn't even know about. As I recall, um, Wells Fargo Bank was in the news because the people that were banking with Wells Fargo had in their uh, contracts uh, arbitration provisions so they cannot sue Wells Fargo. Uh, Is that one of the the more profile cases? Yeah, that's one of them. And, And there are plenty of others. In fact, I would suggest that everybody listening to this podcast take a look at your credit card agreement, perhaps your uh, cell phone agreement. There's an arbitration agreement in there, and there's virtually almost no way to render that provision void. I have a uh, client that uh, bought a uh, camper uh, from a uh, company and had all sorts of problems with it. And uh, when he brought me the paperwork, sure enough, there was an arbitration clause in that paperwork. So it can be almost any consumer transaction, I assume. Oh, yeah, it's everywhere. So then talk a little bit more about the differences between an arbitration as um, you envision it 
and uh, and a, uh, uh, going to court, filing a lawsuit. All right. So if we have an arbitration provision, ultimately, ultimately let me start all over again. So if we have an arbitration agreement, let's look first at the mechanism itself. We're going to be in somebody's office questioning witnesses. We're going to have more than likely an attorney who's being paid by both sides to decide the issue. So it is a less formal situation as opposed to going down to the courthouse, maybe impaneling a jury, having jury instructions, uh, and having a much more formal setting. So the, the mechanism for the actual decision-making process is a lot different. And, of course, we're not going to be doing all the pretrial work. As much, there won't be as much discovery, and what I mean by that is depositions and exchanging of documents, typically, that is, in an arbitration as we would in a courthouse situation. So most uh, lawsuits, probably 99.9% of them, uh, generate public documents. So if you do file a lawsuit, your uh, claims, the defenses, the discovery, the evidence becomes public record. Is that the same way with an arbitration? You know, that's a really good point. I was overlooking that. Absolutely not. None of it's public. It's, it's a decision-making process conducted in private. And there's no obligation to make any of that process public. What is the uh, the benefit to a company then to uh, per- put a arbitration provision in its contract? And then if it does, is there a detriment to the consumer? Well, I think most businesses operate – this is just my own sense. Most businesses operate from the sense or from the premise that trials are expensive and dangerous, juries are bad – and they have a, and companies have a greater degree of control over the process by having a lawyer make the decision. I mean, that's the sense I get. And you and I both know that trials can be expensive for companies and businesses. Uh, I imagine that an arbitration can be a lot less expensive. Well, it can be. It's less expensive only in that you're probably not doing as much work prior to the trial. But on another, on the other hand. The arbiter doesn't come for free. He's an attorney charging on an hourly rate. So unlike a judge, you have to pay for this decision maker. So with a a trial, court trial or jury trial, you have a final decision that is binding on the parties. Is arbitration the same way? It's absolutely binding. And unlike a court trial, there is no provision for appeal unless you were to have some mechanism in the arbitration provision itself. And I've never seen one that provides for a review of the arbitration provision. You were mentioning the financial industry and the arbitration provisions there. Uh, What is your familiarity with how the financial industry handles um, um, dispute resolution? Well, if you have a credit card, if you have a brokerage account, if you look in the fine print, you will see that you are obligated, if you have a dispute, to contact perhaps the Financial Industry Regulatory Association and use its system. Uh, You may be directed to contact the American Arbitration Association. But rather than hiring a lawyer who files a complaint at the courthouse, you're going to have to write to that company that handles the arbitration, submit a claim, 
and then you will be given a list of arbiters. You have to exchange that with the other side. So it takes a little more paperwork, so to speak, to get the process rolling. And then you'll probably have a discussion with that arbiter, and then eventually you'll get to a place where you're actually presenting the case to them. And, you know, for the consumer cases, the, the fees are certainly more than they would be if you went down to small claims court. If you are arbitrating something with the American Arbitration Association, which is certainly geared for larger cases, the fees get are, are substantially more, and you're now going to be paying for an attorney. Would you advise people if they have the ability to uh, not agree to an arbitration with uh, AAA, with AAA, or with the BBB, but more of a general arbitration provision where the parties would agree to one arbitrator and uh, maybe a cost-shifting analysis? I think it all depends on what you're trying to do. If I might be representing a client who's in a certain type of business where an arbitration provision might be very good for his situation and others it may not be. So I think you have to really tailor it to the situation. The only thing that I really object to is the fact that so many large financial companies and even cell phone companies put these in their agreements and most people, I'd be willing to bet, have no sense that provision is in there. I recall you telling me a story about your introduction to arbitration provisions. Uh, you want to tell our uh, audience that story? Yes, and it had, no, it had nothing to do with either cell phones or credit cards because, well, first of all, it was 1987 before we had cell phones. My wife at the time was pregnant and about to give birth, and we had had a significant delay in getting her admitted to the hospital. So by the time we get her in the hospital... She's in serious pain. So the people at the hospital are nice. I'm, I'm going to get to the punchline here in a minute, John. Bear with me. So they put her in the hospital room, but they put me in the place where you register, and they give me, you know, 10 pages to read so I can admit her. And I'm a brand-new lawyer, so I figure, well, I better read this thing. And there's an arbitration agreement in there. <laughs> and really, I'd been a lawyer for a year, but I thought, you know, if this thing doesn't go right... I don't want to be arbitrating this claim. <laughs> so I X'd it out. I initialed it. You know, I get back to my wife sometime later who's not happy. Where have you been? And I said, um, I've been doing some paperwork. <laughs> so that's how I got introduced to arbitration agreements. But everything turned out well. Everything so you didn't have to worry about right, it. Right. Everything turned out just great. But that was literally the first time I saw an arbitration agreement. When you talk about and think about arbitration and, and the venue of it, I know that um, we have specific rules for where a lawsuit can be filed. In Ohio, all of the common pleas courts have jurisdiction, but then there are venue issues of which court, Franklin County, Delaware County, Hamilton County, where it's appropriate. Uh, how does that work in an arbitration setting? Well, you know, for the benefit of our listeners, John, we should spell out that the, the rules of the court rules say pretty, for the most part, you have to sue a defendant where he lives. I mean, that's pretty much the rule. In arbitration, and you'll see this a lot in franchise agreements, it'll say, look, Mr. Franchisee, if you got a problem, you're going to have to arbitrate it, and you're going to have to arbitrate it at our headquarters, which may be in Seattle, Washington. Too bad that you live in Columbus, Ohio. This is where you're doing it. So by contract, you're doing something that you probably would not be doing in a regular courtroom situation. 
Now, these uh, arbitration provisions are challenged in court uh, on occasion. They are. Uh, what success do people have in beating these provisions? You know, I can't remember the elements that you have to prove to make an arbitration provision invalid. But I know that it's very difficult to unwind them. So those situations, those, those parameters are very narrow. Generally, courts are going to uphold them. And we probably ought to mention, too, that if you haven't entered an agreement for an arbitration, it doesn't mean that you cannot arbitrate. Sure. You know, you could be in the middle of a lawsuit, and if you thought it was better to give it to a single decision maker, parties are always free to do that. Anything else on arbitrations, Mr. Dorora? Well, Mr. Gonzalez, I think that wraps it up, and I think that brings us to the next idea of – well, hold on. I, I, let's, let's stop. <laughs> 